You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today it is finally game day as the Pacers come off of their first two-game gap between game, two-day gap between games all season. Excuse me for that mistype. And I am excited. I was really thrilled for this game tonight. They play Denver and Denver, and they would have played the MVP, Nikola Jokic. And I'm going out of my way to say MVP Jokic because he's getting way too shaded for being the best player in the league. Uh, and I was really excited. And now that is not happening. And we will talk about why with lots of Pacers Nuggets previewing to do today because joining me today to talk all things Nuggets, Pacers, how this game will look, how the Nuggets are looking, why Jokic isn't playing. Ryan Blackburn, the site manager for Denver Stiffs over in Denver. Ryan, how's it going, man? It's good, man. I'm. Uh, we, we just got blessed with some really good news uh, on the Nuggets side of things. And Jokic is going to be out with a suspension, but it is just a one-game suspension. And I think that everybody in Denver kind of has to be thrilled by that. Because there, there was an expectation, a general expectation that he could receive more than just one game, potentially three, four, five, even more than that. And if you lose Jokic, if you lose, you've already lost Jamal Murray throughout all of this. And, and now you're potentially losing Michael Porter for the foreseeable future is what Michael Malone said. So we don't know what that means. I'm sure the Indiana Pacers fans are very familiar with kind of ambiguous injury situations. So... <laughs> We are. We're just going to have to see how that plays out. But I am curious to see uh, what this team looks like tomorrow. They will be without Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter. Uh, so, Indiana Pacers fans, if you're listening, uh, you should you should feel pretty good about your chances. Well, normally I go into how's the Nuggets looking? What's the good trends here? What are the bad trends here? What can the Pacers watch out for? But let's step all the way back because holy cow. Jokic is suspended. That's crazy. And the moment on Monday was really, really wild. And Markeith Morris, uh, actually, I'll let you explain it because you're the Nuggets guy. But what happened? I also thought it would be more than one game. So what happened? Why is Jokic not playing? And how much does that change this game? Yeah, so I I was in the building for it. And I'm fortunate enough to cover some of these games. And I had a really good vantage point of what happened. And Jokic collects a rebound after playing stellar defense on, on Bam Adebayo. And he, the Nuggets are comfortably go, going away with a win in this fourth quarter. It's pretty late, under three minutes left to go. Jokic collects a rebound, dribbles down the court. Markeith Morris makes a beeline for him from the side of the floor. Jokic assumes that a take foul is going to happen, a transition foul. And instead, there's a little bit extra put onto that shot. Markeith Morris gives him the forearm shiver, gives him an elbow. Also, it hasn't really been discussed, but he put his knee into Jokic's knee too. And while Jokic's leg was planted, it was a pretty dangerous play what Markeith Morris did. And Jokic responded in the way that he did, uh, certainly in retaliatory fashion. Uh, He turned around, uh, identified who hit him. Markeith Morris had turned his back and Markeith Morris gets absolutely laid out, shellacked, put onto his back or put onto his stomach uh, by Nikola Jokic, <laughs> who puts a forearm shiver along with his shoulder into him at full speed. And it, it was inexcusable. Jokic should not have done that. Uh, it is important to discuss 
the nuance of this and that he, he was definitely provoked in that situation. Uh, but regardless, he, he is going to be suspended and Jimmy Butler and Markeith Morris were also fined for their actions in the altercation. And I'm not surprised by that based off of what I saw, based off of my vantage point and how everything went down the way that it did. And uh, all for all intents and purposes, I really do think that this was kind of a, a minor uh, setback for both teams where you find one party, you give the more infracting party one game, and then you move on and you you forget about it. Yeah, I kind of agree. I didn't think I'd get to talk about this. I was joking with Ryan before the show that since I only cover one team, I very rarely get to talk about stuff like this. But lo and behold, the Nuggets fall perfectly on the Pacers schedule. So I get to, to interject here. Ryan, I don't know if you've seen Richard Jefferson's video commenting on the situation today on Twitter, but that is basically my thoughts exactly. Like, he nailed it. Very rarely do I think Richard Jefferson absolutely nails it, but he got this video perfectly right. It's like, Markeith Morris totally shouldn't have done that. Like, cheap foul, came from a weird angle, really over the top for what he was doing if it was a take foul too. And then Jokic definitely shouldn't have done that in response. So I think the punishments are are merited uh, for everybody. Jimmy Butler randomly trying to... I, I saw that he was jawing on video, but I learned today that it wasn't actually at Jokic, right? It was at some security official on the court or something like that. It was it, something else, whatever. All the punishments are well well in line, I think, with, with what makes sense. And it absolutely sucks that the Pacers fans who see this game won't get to see the MVP, but I think that makes sense. So in the absence of every star for this Nuggets team... I mean, Will Barton, uh, uh, who's going to be the, the scoring threat that, that – Aaron Gordon maybe? Who's going to be the threat that puts Shivers in this Pacers team in this game? Uh, Will Barton has been excellent this year. That's that's kind of the under-discussed factor in this Nuggets team is that Michael Porter Jr. has sucked on offense to begin the season. Just just been really, really bad. Under 10 points per game. Insane. Yeah, he, he just – he has not figured it out. And that's okay because he is not the only guy who has not figured it out around the league's landscape, and it hasn't impacted Denver's record uh, to the degree that it really could have. Uh, but he has been really struggling, and being without him is is not as big of a deal as long as you have the MVP. Uh, but it's also been because Will Barton has really stepped into that role as a complimentary jack-of-all-trades scorer, passer, defender, rebounder, do whatever you need to do on a given night to win a game. He has been awesome. And last night's game was another great example of that, where Denver, they have really struggled to hit threes this year. I believe that they are bottom three in three-point percentage. And Will Barton hit seven out of nine threes last night, which was just a massive, massive amount of floor spacing that they absolutely needed. Some of those shots were spot ups. Some of those shots were off the dribble. He can create for himself. He can create for others. And he provides this consistent threat that really gives the Nuggets another dimension outside of Jokic just doing Jokic things. So he's the guy to watch out for, for sure. Uh, beyond him, though, it it does get a little bleak in terms of consistency for this Nuggets offense. Bones Highland time. Let's go. Let's it, go. It, <laughs> it's funny to look at the Nuggets basketball reference page in general. And I, I think Adam Morris kind of t- or shared that someone else shared this with him on Twitter or whatever. But Jokic is leading the Nuggets in ev- every stat. Like that sounds made up. Uh, well, that's actually not true anymore. Uh, someone in the rotation passed him in free throw percentage. You know who it is? Who hit some free throws last night? <laughs> yes. Um, 
Was it Bones? It was. Uh, it's Jermichael Green. Wow. Jermichael Green is now uh, the, yeah. He, he has Look only taken, that. I think, not taken many free throws this year, but he's played in every game, so I'm counting him. He's seven for eight from the line, ruining Jokic's uh, leading the Nuggets in every stat. I love stat. it. But it's just crazy how good Jokic has been. And I, if, if there wasn't his suspension, my plan for the lead here was going to be, how did all these top whatever player lists come out this summer? And Jokic was like sixth on on all of them. And I'm like, this dude just won MVP and like dominated, dominated everybody. Almost got them through the playoffs with nothing else. Like, I don't I don't get how he's not top three in like everyone's ranking of players, especially when you see that he's leading his team in every stat. But yeah, other people are going to have to step up in this game. And Aaron Gordon is interesting to me because the Pacers really struggle with strong, bulky wings who can, you know, he isn't an awesome off the dribble creator, but he's got the body type to be a guy who gives the Pacers some struggles. Austin Rivers had a big game against the Pacers last year, at least a decently big game. So that there are ways I think the Nuggets can manufacture enough points, but it's like, it's even, it's almost hard to, of the games I've watched for Denver, it's like hard to envision what they'll even do without Jokic. I don't, I don't know what, what, what's going to happen. Like, yeah, Will Barton's good. And Aaron Gordon's got some stuff going on and Bowen's Highland's really fun. I, I just can't envision it at all. Well, th- what they're going to do is be really bad. Uh, that's <laughs> that's my kind of impression of this is that so far this year, I've, I've done a lot of statistical work on uh, Denver's rotations and how they've looked. And the one through line of pretty much everything is that no matter what happens with the rest of the rotation, the Nuggets are really bad when Jokic sits. They can play Michael Porter and, and Will Barton and Monte Morris and all of these guys. And they they haven't they haven't loaded up a bunch uh, on that second unit to try to like stagger three starters or something absurd like that, but they do stagger occasionally, and that's been Will Barton's role for most of the season. That is going to be difficult for the Nuggets to continue with going forward because when you don't have Jokic and you can't really anchor in 35, 36 minutes with that starting group, I don't know what they're going to do for the entire forty eight minutes. So. They will probably start Jamichael Green. Uh, they will probably uh, they'll probably start Jeff and Jamichael Green and Aaron Gordon is what I would guess. And you've got these big guys who aren't as big as the Indiana Pacers centers, but uh, they can switch. And I, I feel pretty comfortable with each of them kind of battling in the post, battling on the boards, and and at least putting up some fight there. But you're just going to have to hit shots. You're just going to run a bunch of pick and pops. You're going to try to run some offense through Will Barton and through Monte Morris and guys like that. But it's going to look clunky. It's going to look weird. Denver's going to want it to be a 95 to 90 game tomorrow, which their defense has been really good. Uh, but Jokic has actually been a really big part of that defense. So I have no idea what it's going to look like uh, on Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, I'd sometimes too, like when I'm previewing these games, I look at the other team's stats. It's like, oh, the Nuggets are first in the league in two-point percentage. Oh, yeah, a lot of that's Jokic. Like, it's, it's hard to even figure out what could be something that is a takeaway that allows them to succeed against the Pacers. I have one I want to bring up, and that's that they're 10th in the league in assists, the Nuggets are. And yes, Jokic is an excellent passer, but Monte Morris, the assist-to-turnover ratio god himself, and Will Barton have been better <laughs> in that way. So on one hand, I want to say maybe the Nuggets can – kind of get enough creation or, or you know Mike Malone's offense is pretty solid get, they, can they create enough that way or maybe they just really dumb it down and say two-man game all night you know we, we know that J- Jeff Green can roll we know that Green Jermichael Green can pop man that is annoying to have to go through the Jay Greens 
I guess Jermichael doesn't pop as much anymore, but he, he used to be a, more of a threat to shoot in the past. So he does it a lot. Made, like, like that's that's actually been the identity of Denver's bench. Was it's a it's a pick and pop fest with Jamichael Green and Jeff Green, where for most of the time, Faku Campazo has been the point guard that has run things with that second unit. Also, Will I am unfortunately sorry how bad Faku has been this season. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's it's been it's been actually really really bad uh, for Denver. Uh, but but they have started to change the rotation a little bit. And this past game, they actually made a massive change, in my opinion. This was the first game that Faku Campazzo didn't play. And they instead went with Bones Highland at point guard, uh, their prized 26th overall uh, rookie. And Indiana Pacers fans know all about rookies that are playing really well. Bones Highland has been playing really well for the Nuggets. And it's in a smaller role than a guy like Chris Duarte, but Bones has been really, really valuable with every uh, unit that he's been with for the most part. The problem that they've run into is that when you add Faku in there, when you add PJ in there, there's just not enough driving. There's just not enough spacing. Denver's really struggled to shoot the ball, and they have taken Faku out of the rotation. This time, I, I expect that that will continue against the Pacers. Hey, guys, one little break here so we can talk about the good folks over at Built Bar because Built Bar makes the best tasting protein bars ever. I've talked about it on a podcast you've probably listened to before. But you got to try them out because Thanksgiving's right around the corner and there's a lot of good food and treats that come with Thanksgiving. And that also makes it the perfect time for Built Bars because they can be your holiday dessert replacement. You can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has over 300 calories and that's the low end of pies. Most Built Bars, only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar. Plenty of protein. You can replace that coconut cream pie with a coconut built bar, raspberry built bar instead of raspberry pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, yet high protein, 100% covered in chocolate protein bars. You've got to try them out. Share them with your family. Try them all month long. They've got new flavors coming out leading up to Thanksgiving. They have a Black Friday deal coming up. Mark that in your calendar. So go to try them. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 when you check out. You'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So you brought up Duarte. Let's let's flip the script. What are you interested about with the Pacers who might have four starters in the court at the same time for only the second time this season? And I want to give a shout out to Karis LeVert before you get me anything, Ryan, because I hurt my back this weekend. It's now been four days since the incident, and I am still struggling to walk normal. I look like an idiot. I'm only in my late 20s. I should not be struggling to walk <laughs> for three days. Karis LeVert hurt his back in training camp. I saw that dude getting up shots and doing conditioning, and I'm like, that is the toughest man on the planet. So <laughs> I wanted to give Karis LeVert some dap because today I was thinking about him when I had a back injury. Anyway, the floor is yours. What are your curiosities or thoughts on the Pacers this season? No, absolutely. I, I and, and first of all, I, I fully get it. Uh, I will have bad back days, and they just come out of nowhere, and, and it's debilitating. And, and having a bad back, like Michael Porter probably knows, yeah. is, uh, is is yeah, pretty right. scary. So it, it it sort of controls everything that you do from dawn till dusk. So that is a that is a definite factor that hopefully everybody's okay on that front. Hopefully everybody's okay with Denver. Uh, I am curious to see. I said this earlier in the season. Uh, I, I tweeted this about the Pacers that I have no idea who the first option is. That I have no <laughs> idea who's the guy that they look to. And it kind of might be Chris Duarte at times. Like that seems like a a thing that is happening in Indiana right now. So from from one Denver person who hasn't really watched much of the Pacers is looking more at the box scores. 
it's kind of crazy to see how great Chris Duarte has been so early and how useful and how much he's been needed there as much as he has been. So what has been your take on him and how disruptive has that been to the rotation? This, so fortunately or unfortunately, there's a couple ways to discuss this. They've been so injured that it's not been a disruption to the rotation, right? right? With Warren out, he can start at the three, no problem, or play the two and, Levert missed the first six games, five games, and Brogdon missed the two games this weekend because he was sick. He missed some games with a hamstring issue as well, right? So they, they've had a spot for him to not be a disruption. And they, you know, we just got from Shams the January-ish timeline for Warren, right? So they'll have a lot of time for it to not be a disruption. Okay. That said, you know, in terms of optionality, he's the guy leading the team in shots who's played every game. And that's, you know, it's kind of interesting to think of where he sits on the totem pole because they've only had no Levert and no Brogdon once uh, against Brooklyn. And I don't remember where he ranked on the team in shots in that game, but he's usually one of their top two or three shot takers every game. And normally for a rookie, I'm kind of like, man, like that is, that's too many looks, you know, like this team's trying to be good. What is going on? But he makes them all the time and he, he doesn't create a ton of separation, but he can make these tough shots in a way that even vets, even Rick Carlisle, who's been known in the past to not trust rookies that much are like, great. This is fine. Keep going. You're not bogging us down. Your defense is good. You can score from all over the court. Like, great. Keep going for it. 45% from the field, 42% from deep. If you keep doing that for the whole season, great. You can take 14 shots every game. So I keep, you know, because I'm a nerd and I always think about stuff that can go wrong. I'm like, okay, one of these games, he's going to shoot two for 15 or something. He's a rookie. Like it's going to happen. And some vet's going to be like, dude, you got to chill. Right. And it hasn't happened yet. So maybe that's not ever going to be a problem. It's just something I think about, especially because they had a lot of those games with Aaron Holiday in past seasons. But yeah, I mean, he, he's very high on their totem pole, even when he starts and he he does a great job putting the ball in the basket, certainly limited in other ways. But it's a it's very refreshing, as you guys know, with Bones to have a rookie dynamic score who kind of changes the makeup of your team. It really does change the entire vibe. And, and you guys are you guys are four and seven currently right now, right? Yes, yes, that is correct. I, I don't want to bring up sore spots here, but like the vibes are still okay when a rookie is playing in that regard and gives you something to root for, gives you something to think about that you because you know that guys have been out and and the reinforcements are coming and and once you get some once you get some time with with the entire group, then things can absolutely turn around. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. Like the, TJ McConnell, as good as he is as a backup point guard probably shouldn't be starting a whole bunch of games in those <laughs> circumstances with Malcolm Brogdon like on ice right now. So hopefully he's back. Sounds um, like he will be. I don't know if you knew that. He did say he would I, I did not know that, but I, I heard you say four starters and I'm like, okay, yep. well it's not TJ Warren who's the fifth <laughs> starter. Yet, no. so. Brogdon said at practice he should be good to go. We'll see. We'll see. But cool. Well like that will that'll be exciting. Not exciting for Nuggets fans because <laughs> they are right. uh they are uh down bad. Uh but yeah, the, the vibes have to be a very important factor in all of this. And Duarte gives really great vibes. I was thinking about this because uh, Denver had the 26th pick. And I knew that Duarte wasn't going to fall to Denver. But he was one of the guys that I circled and was like, okay, if you're looking for a solid contributor that can be a good quality wing immediately, there are like two options. One is Moses Moody and the other is Chris Duarte. And it's funny that that both of those guys are, are drafted back to back, and they had the the kerfuffle that they did in in the offseason uh, between the two organizations. But I uh, 
I really like Duarte. I think that he's got a bright future. Indiana fans should be excited about him. The way that he carries himself and the way that he has injected a bunch of life into that team that was kind of in a middle ground scenario, it reminds me of Donovan Mitchell. And that's kind of going a little bit far out ahead. Uh, But you think about some of the most recent teams where they've been given an injection of life by a rookie in which he's been given a large opportunity. It's the structure was there. The structure was there in, in Utah with that group where they already had Rudy Gobert in place. Already had guys like uh, Joe Ingles and uh, they had Ricky Rubio, if I'm not mistaken. I could correct. George Hill was that with them back then, I believe as well. Yeah. And so they, they had players that could really play the defense that they needed around a scorer. Indiana's the same way, or at least they should be the same way. I'm not sure if that is really maintained, but with Miles Turner there, like there, there's definitely reason to believe that they can formulate a great defense around a really young rookie scorer. Yeah, they've done a pretty good job of all that this season, especially now that they have a more simple defense. You know, they they were pretty chaotic on that in last year. So recovering on defense, building around him in a solid way. And you're right, like well, and before the Brogdon extension too. So let's go like three days before the season starts. No one's ever seen Duarte play. And no one on the team besides Sabonis has more than two years left on the deal. It's like, what is the future of the Pacers? And now they have a rookie who looks awesome. And Brogdon's going to be here for a while, presumably, in this town. And Sabonis still has three years left on his deal. And all of a sudden, it all kind of makes sense. You're like, okay, that's that's three starters locked up for a long time. And that structure is really important for a smaller market team. And now you you don't have to squint anymore. You can go, yes, I see... I see some sort of future plan in how the Pacers build. So it, it's been refreshing for a fan base that saw a team go from swept in the playoffs twice in a row to not even making it last year to have something to go, yes, I get it. It's just kind of crazy that the the entire, like from, from the outside, it feels like the vibe has shifted away from DeMontis Sabonis and his two all-star appearances and everything that they're doing there to now Miles Turner has scored. 30 points, 40 points in games. Uh, Chris Duarte's there. Brogdon gets an extension. Uh, I, I don't think that, obviously, Indiana has not been in the business of making big trades in, in a lot of these cases. Uh, what is the vibe around Sabonis right now? Because it, it sort of feels like they are uh, hit or miss with him. Hey, guys, one more break here so we can talk about the good folks over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever. They've got a new web interface because basketball season is up and running and more props, more odds, more lines than ever before. They remain the number one spot for all the basketball and football betting action this season. Head over to that new updated website and sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up. All you got to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON. To receive that bonus when you sign up, that promo code locked on at betonline.ag. They've got basketball, football, baseball, postseason, even though it just ended. They've got props for next season, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. He's still awesome. <laughs> I would, I <laughs> he would is say. awesome. Let me, let me be clear. He's really, really good. 
the the old co-host of the show always would compare him to Jokic. Not like they're actually as good as each other, but just in terms of like the stat stuffing bigs. And no, it's true. Like it, they had a lot of. They, I know they have a lot of respect true. for each other. This yeah. year, Carlisle, it's a little different than in years past. Where McMillan and Nate Bjorkren really were like, we're going to give it to Sabonis on the perimeter and let him do two man game stuff and and roll and be involved in all these actions where he can pass and stuff. And a lot of his assists came in that way. His assists are down this year because he's not used in that way as much. He's still a screener and he still makes decisions in short rolls and you know still sets up plays like in the post sometimes like very valuable in the stuff he's good at, but he's not the creator on the perimeter as often as he was last year. So statistically, his it, it just looks different than what you're used to with him. Like he's still hovering around 20 points per game, still a beast on the glass. And I think that is actually when I was thinking about this game with Jokic out, like Sabonis might have 15, 16 rebounds in this game. I mean, the, the Nugget centers who who will be playing are not necessarily natural centers, <laughs> centers. at all or good on the glass. Yeah, exactly. Denver, Denver doesn't have will any Bull centers. Will Bull finally play? The answer is no. <laughs> but will Bull Bull finally play? Um, so, yeah, I, I think Sabonis could have a good game in that way, but they're just using him differently. And it's it's I don't want to call it yet a vibe change on him, if that makes any sense. Through 11 games, we'll see what ends up happening. But – I mean, it, he also plays a lot more with – so Turner plays more minutes with bench units now, and those units do really well. So Turner's on-offs look awesome and stuff. Like if you're just statistically looking at them, it looks like Turner – and Turner has been excellent. But, you know, he, he looks very valuable. But Sabonis still does stuff that no one else on the team can do a lot of the time. And like first game of the season, they call, they've called on Sabonis twice to try to hit a game-winning shot. Like he's still very valued by Carlisle and by this team and – respected by his teammates at that level. He's just used differently this year in a way that, one, makes it less likely he'll be an all-star again, and two, changes the way the Pacers play offense and who they run it through. You know, It's more interchangeable what your role can be on a given possession. Uh, that's kind of how Carlisle's been always when he didn't have Luka Doncic on his team. So, yeah, it, it, I think it's good for the team and a little worse for his stats, but he, he seems to be buying in. And he, he's been really harping on like team playing hard this year because there's been They've been in every game except for one in Toronto, but it feels like they have some moments where they just kind of are lazy. And I think every team goes through that lull, but not this early in the season. So Sabonis has been really hitting on that. So I think he's kind of stepping up in on-court leadership in it while his role not dwindles but changes. And so, yes, the, the vibe does seem a little different, but I don't think it's necessarily something that I, I can't describe it. It is a little different. You're right. But I don't I don't know if it's something that's going to like take away from how he is respected by the rest of the players and the coaching staff on this team. How many games has um, have the four starters that are healthy or like relatively healthy been with Duarte? Like how many how many games has that lineup been out there for? Uh, one. The answer is one. Oh, they do. <laughs> it was the Knicks. They beat the Knicks by thirteen points at home. Uh, the Knicks are a good team, so that's uh, good. That's really yeah, good. Yes, yes, it is. With the way that the Knicks have played and with the way that Indiana is per, kind of perceived as kind of a middle of the pack team, like. That's a really big, solid win. And then to go up against a guy like Julius Randle and and with R.J. Barrett and guys like that doing what they're doing, that's a really big deal. So, Indiana fans, I, I hope that you don't take it too hard that if if the the struggle – if because it, it does seem like there could be some chemistry, some not, – not chemistry, but like uh, adjustment periods for playing with that group for the first time. Though they have been together before, it's just inserting a new rookie who's taking the most amount of shots, and that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal. So I, I'm very curious. I, I'm really looking forward to watching them tomorrow because I do think that they have something brewing there with Duarte, 
and it's just about kind of guiding it along and, and nurturing that relationship and hoping that things fall into place the way that they can. And in that game where they had the horse starters against the Knicks, Duarte only took only took nine shots because they had Brogdon and Levert, which they yeah. <laughs> they've had once since April, right? So he'll yeah. have the ball less naturally. And I think long term, if they have these four together for more before Warren comes back, we'll see more with Duarte with the second unit to get more shots because in that same game, X Nugget Tory Craig, who is awesome on defense, by the way. I know you already knew that, but man, is it refreshing <laughs> for the Pacers to have a large sized wing? He also took nine shots in that game and He's been playing pretty well on offense this year, but it, you know, you guys know in Denver that he's pretty inconsistent on that end of the floor. So who knows how sustainable that can be? You'd definitely rather have Duarte be the guy taking shots with that unit. So looking forward to seeing how they develop. You know, you track the rotations with your awesome spreadsheet. I love that idea. Um, to see how they try to get Duarte more looks in general when they have more scoring options on the floor. It's always interesting, especially with a team like Indiana, which is going to stagger a lot. Uh, their rotations uh, with the two bigs and with the several guards that that need shots and and sometimes need to feel like hey they're the guy at times that it, it, giving them opportunities within the same game to be able to do that at different points is really important because they're not always yeah. going to be on the floor with their other starters all the time like Turner and Sabonis I'm sure that there have been plenty of times where Turner has been on the floor without Sabonis and he has looked better or at least more involved in in the offense because of it. And Sabonis, same thing where it sort of changes the vibe a little bit with how to interact with the rest of your team like that. So I really like the way that Indiana has, has built this thing. I thought before the season that they were probably in line for a major shakeup, but with the way that Duarte has played, and you start to realize, okay, you're going to get back TJ Warren at some point. The hope is January. This could be a playoff team if things like continue to progress the way that they do. And that's, is that good enough? Do you guys, do you guys feel good about that? Is that a, that, that seems to be a pretty polarizing topic in Indianasville. Yeah. Um, what I, what do I think the organization should feel good about that? No, I don't. Um, would they after last year, especially probably, It'd be a step forward, but I mean, they've been swept in the playoffs twice. Like they need a big step at some point. And you know, now they, maybe they can play the patient card again with Duarte. I just, you know, if you only win two games of the playoffs this year, you know, th- this team, like two years ago, it's really hard to think about this. Cause so much has happened like in the world <laughs> since 2019 or since the, yeah, the 2019 playoffs. But like this roster won, 48 games in the pandemic season, right? Which would have been 50 wins right. if they played all 82. Like they got the force in these, like they were really good. And then they fired McMillan. And since then everything has just been like, Oh, like gross. You know, <laughs> you got to have some success to back up all those, those changes that have gone poorly. So yes, it would be great to in year one of the Chris Duarte experience in the Rick Carlisle era to win playoff games. Like, yes, that would be a good step forward. I think the organization would be happy with that. And I guess they should be after how last year went. But, I mean, again, they were the four seed in the East two years ago. It's not like they should be so psyched to be, you know, back in the playoffs. A step forward to me would be more than that. But, uh, yeah. So who – I'm curious that, like, it feels like Duarte – like, like if TJ Warren comes back and Duarte's there and they just signed Tory Craig – uh, Justin Holiday is still in the mix. This team's this team's rotation gets pretty crowded really fast if if everything goes according to plan. 
Uh, is there a guy on the outside looking in that you could trade to Denver, particularly a great looking yes. team that can Ryan, I have a sales. I have a sales pitch for you. Um, well, let's go. How would you like a guard who over the last two seasons has shot over 40% from three, sometimes off the dribble? Uh, and it is wing size, so can kind of play the three. Don't look at the roster and look at names. Please just continue listening to me and don't think of names. Okay. He can do the, He can shoot threes and kind of score off the dribble. You can have him. You could probably just have him from the Pacers. How does that sound? Uh, you know, it, it, you give me a, an interesting sales pitch here. I, I'm a little <laughs> bit concerned that you can just have him. Uh, is, that seems like a that seems like a potentially problematic per- person slash player. <laughs> He's not problematic uh, as a person. Okay. Uh, well, who who are we talking about here? This is Jeremy Lamb. I'm sure you figured it out mm, while I was talking. Yeah. Okay, and and, well. and Jeremy Lamb is is good, and he's been better this year than last year, especially as he's added this three ball. And like the the struggle for him is always like, can he do enough on offense to make up for his bad defense? And McMillan's defensive principles, and they had Dan Burke as an assistant coach that year. You guys have Popeye now, so you kind of have the Pacers assistant ship rubbing we off do. on the he's on the Denver great. squadron. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they were awesome on defense that year, even with Lamb in the game, right? So it, no one really knew how poor on defense he is. But these last two years, he's just been so bad on that, and he has to shoot incredibly well in a game to make up for it. But most of the time, he's at best like contributing on an average level, and he makes ten point five million on an expiring deal. And like, if he's your last guy on the rotation, that's fine. But because, like you said, they have all these other healthy wings who should be playing ahead of him. He might not play at all, like in their fully healthy rotation. He he played five minutes against the Kings over the weekend, right? And I know that they didn't even have Brogdon in that game, so his role is really small for a guy being paid ten point five million. And so he's not bad. He just he gets paid more than the role he'll have on this team. Um, so his bad defense is certainly super concerning for whoever gets him. But he is talented. He has value. And if the Nuggets need a bench off the dribble scorer, which uh, they do. Uh, maybe maybe he would fit there, but the salary matching doesn't make sense as for Denver to be a fit to me. But yeah, if you want Jeremy Lamb, uh, go for it's it. It's pretty but, tough. the The salary that you'd then be looking at uh, when he when he's available, when he comes available, is Jamichael Green. Uh, the problem is that if you trade Jamichael Green, uh, that sort of kind of opens up Denver's back or their their bench front court rotation a little bit. And Wait, how? I see that they have a uh, it looks like a, a young twenty two year old center from Oregon on the roster. From, from <laughs> that's Denver. right. Slide to those well, players. if you can call him a center and not yeah. a seven two player playing at six seven, <laughs> uh, then you 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 might be able to get away with that. But uh, but you're right. Uh, Den- Denver's front court has really struggled this year off the bench. Uh, their starters are fantastic, and and Porter will eventually figure it out when he comes back healthy. I. I don't think anybody's really too concerned about that. And Jokic and Gordon has a has a 17 net rating together when they're on the floor. It's wow. been it's been ridiculous. Uh, but when they're not together, and, and when you're you're kind of mixing and matching some of those other guys, Jeff Green has found a little bit of a rhythm with the starting group. But with the bench, he's been really bad. And uh, Jamichael Green, same thing because he plays all of his minutes with the bench behind Nikola Jokic. Uh, but he's not really a center, so it has been a big struggle for Denver to like they they just don't have a rim roller or anything so there might be something there where if if he doesn't fit they've just invested in Jeff Green that that maybe they prefer to keep Jeff Green around but I I don't know what's going to happen with that front court because it's just Denver's in that stage right now where if they get Jamal Murray back and he looks anywhere close to where he was when he left and Michael Porter gets back and, and he looks close to the player that he was when he finished the season last year 
with the way that Jokic is playing right now and with the way that Denver's defending, they're on a championship caliber path. And you just have to fill in the edges around that with the best possible talent. So if that includes Jermichael Green, then great. If it doesn't, then they might they might look for a guy like Jeremy Lamb who could give them 40% from three. Great. I'll DM you in January. Thank you with this later. Micro level tonight. Well, for me, this podcast is tonight. I don't know for you because you're on mountain time. Micro level, Nuggets Pacers. What matchup has the biggest influence on the game and who wins? That's my last question about the game. Uh, I would say that Aaron Gordon versus whichever big man he guards, I would guess that it's probably going to be DeMontis Sabonis, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I do, th- and, and actually, Denver could go super big, and maybe they put him on a three, in which case he's probably defending Karis LeVert. Uh, Aaron Gordon has been extremely good defensively this year, uh, just matching up with various forwards, various centers, various guards has done great switching one through five. If he is deployed in the way that that kind of neutralizes Indiana's biggest threat, I'm not really even sure who that is right now, so it's really (laughs) tough for me to just pick a name. Uh, But if he is, and and Denver figures out a way uh, to kind of match up pretty well, he also has the capability and has done this in the past where he surprised people with his scoring. He surprised people with his passing. He has a play every game where flashes a lot of talent, flashes a lot of scoring talent off the dribble as a catch-and-shoot guy. He was the savior for Denver in the Houston game where they're down uh, pretty big to Houston. Not down pretty big, but they they needed buckets uh, down the stretch in order to win. Down 94 to 92, he's stuck in the corner with three seconds left, fires up a uh, a left corner three before the buzzer and hits it. Aaron Gordon, of all people, who has been shooting 26% from three since he got to Denver. So he has the talent. It's been really inconsistent. But can he give you a game while Jokic is out? Maybe that's the case. I would guess, actually, now that I think about it, he guards Karis LeVert. We will see what happens, though. That was my guess for the matchup, too. I don't know how the cross-matching is going to work if they go big. But I was hoping you'd pick Gordon because, like, the way the trade timing worked last year, he only played once against the Pacers. He had 17 9 9 for Orlando, right? Like, he had that big assist game that you just brought up. So he has shown against his Pacers group that he knows how to find the crevices and make an impact. So I agree that he is the the guy that could switch a matchup in a way that, that even though the Nuggets are missing their three best players, they could still have a chance to be in this one. That said, I. Look, this Pacers team, outside of one game in Toronto, is always within five of their opponents with with five or or fewer minutes to go. Every game. Every game. So I don't want to say that I think the Pacers should win comfortably, but given who's healthy for both teams, I think the Pacers should win comfortably. Will they? We'll see. Do you agree with that? I I definitely agree with that. I definitely think that this team, uh, this Indiana team is really good when everything kind of falls into place and, and they find that defensive rhythm along with somebody who can kind of lead the way on the offensive end. If if those factors fall into place, then usually it's going to be a good night. And Denver's defense has been really good. I'm not really sure what to expect without Jokic, which is kind of insane to say, by the way. <laughs> like, how is their defense going to look without Nikola Jokic, of all people? But he's really turned himself into a borderline all-defensive caliber player. Um, I am very curious to see what Denver does. The residual effect of not having him is going to be a really, really big deal. You are probably going to see at least one of Bol Bol or Zeke Naji off the bench. Zeke Naji was last year's first round pick. 
Bull Bull was a second round pick from two years ago. Everybody knows Bull Bull. Not enough people know Zeke Naji, but he's actually better. Uh, it's better. going to be interesting to see what Michael Malone does in a situation where Jokic is out and they actually need somebody to score. You probably need to go with Bull Bull in this situation because that's what he does. Uh, so we're going to see. We're going to see what they do. And I'm very curious to see how Denver approaches this. Could I see Monte Morris scoring 20? Sure. Can I see Will Barton scoring 30? Sure. Do I see the Nuggets winning? No. And that's okay. I agree with a lot of that. Ryan, thank you so much for the time. We covered a lot of ground today. I'm impressed for a game that will not feature the Nuggets' three best players. We somehow covered a lot of ground. Where can people follow you, all your stuff, all your work, if they want to follow the Nuggets a little closer? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at NBA Blackburn. Uh, I do the Pickaxe and Roll podcast on, on Mile High Sports, which has been pretty solid. And I, I do the site managing for denverstiffs.com. And, and we've been covering the Nuggets there vigilantly for a long time. So if you are interested in Nuggets content or want to hear our opinion on the Pacers, make sure to go check that out. We've, we've done some great things. Several great SP Nation sites. Pickaxe and Roll is another one of them. And Ryan leads a great crew, including... Someone who lived right across the hall from me in college, Gage Bridgeford. So it's always fun shout to see out him. Gage. Gage has been my Gage. rock during all of this. He's been <laughs> an excellent writer uh, for us and just continues to shine. Uh, and of course, I'm at T East NBA. If you're on YouTube, you can see our little ads below our little faces. Uh, and this podcast is at Locked On Pacers. We'll be back tomorrow to break down, hopefully, a Pacers win against a very depleted team and preview their back to back in Utah, the evil mile high back to back. So stay tuned for that. Ryan, again, thank you for the time and everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.